0: You know, when you try so many diets and nothing works, you you start to feel like a total loser, you know? Um, And and like, wow, nothing's ever gonna work and you feel kind of hopeless.
1: This is the Begin Within Podcast, where we believe real, lasting health and fitness requires you to start inside before you work out. I'm your host, Nate Slegger, and I'm here to show you behind the scenes of fitness. You already know exercise is good for you, but what about all the other things in life that affect your fitness? If you're looking for extra motivation to get started or to make sure you keep going, this is the place for you.
0: Produced by beginwithin.fit.
1: Here's something that I really appreciate about you. You are here because you understand the value of connecting. You understand the value of learning from others like the experts that we have here on the Begin Within podcast each and every week. And I want to tell you about another opportunity that you have to connect more deeply with some of the experts on the show, as well as to benefit from some of the big lessons that I have learned along the way. I have a free book that I wrote recently, just completed it, and it is available for you to download. It's really five lessons that I've learned from being the host here on the Begin Within podcast, as well as Each and every one of those five lessons connecting back to some of the places, some of the episodes that I learned them in. So it is a great support to you in your journey to healthier, in your journey to weight loss. I'm going to link the ebook in the show notes so that you can download a copy today. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think my guest today is Trisha Nelson she is a transformational speaker and an emotional eating expert and the author of heal your hunger she lost 50 pounds herself by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating and she helps her clients to do the same Super happy to have her here on the show. You are going to absolutely love her. She has a colorful way of explaining things. She's a great teacher. I'm so happy to be able to connect you with her. Now, a few things that I want you to listen closely for as we go through the interview. Just prepare your mind for what you're about to receive. First of all, this journey of weight loss, of getting healthier, needs to be grounded in self-care. She's going to talk about that, and she's going to explain why that is the case for you. Secondly, she will talk a lot about self-talk and how you can start to listen to your self-talk for clues about how to heal your hunger. And then finally, she describes three indications that you should take some action to begin to address emotional eating cues, I'll call them. So listen for her test when she gets to that. Three little things that will tell you that there is some work to do. And hey, that's why we're here, right? Just to keep doing the work, to keep moving toward healthy. Today is not so much about talking about nutrition fuel, calories, whatever you want to think about in terms of the food itself, but it is much more an emotional journey. You are going to leave with some great tools to be able to support you in sorting through emotions and healing the real reasons for your hunger. Here's my interview with Trisha Nelson.
0: Heal Your Hunger is totally the culmination of, uh, you know, many years. First of all, of experiencing emotional eating personally, and then, of course, healing from it and uh, researching, you know, the underlying causes. My own healing journey led to developing a whole process for overcoming emotional eating, and that's where Heal Your Hunger happened. But to take yeah. you back to where it started, I think from the get-go, I was obsessed with food. I just loved to eat. I loved to cook i love to serve it to other people go out to dinner you know it was like a big highlight for me yeah and um that would have been wouldn't have been so bad except that i an adolescent started to gain weight and by age 20 i was 50 pounds overweight okay. so that was a pretty like miserable experience for me especially because i had already started the whole diet roller coaster ride so mm-hmm. i could lose weight but i would always gain it back again you know and and i was a yo-yo dieter so i'd like lose 30 gain 20 lose 10 gain 30 you know and i had like five different sizes of pants in my closet as a result So, um, you know, I just never knew what size I was going to be. So that was how it was for me. And, um, you know, I hated being fat. I absolutely hated it. I had this roll on my tummy that I would scrunch up and imagine cutting off, like you cut fat Mm. off the side of a steak. And, um, you know, it was just kind of a torturous experience for me and I couldn't be okay with, with my weight. I just couldn't, I was very critical of my body when I'd look in the mirror. So it was it was an all consuming obsession for me. And, um, I felt really hopeless, um, where, you know, when you try so many diets and nothing works, you, you start to feel like a total loser, you know? Um, and, and like, wow, nothing's ever going to work and you feel kind of hopeless. So that's where I was at. And, thankfully I met somebody who had been obese and had lost the weight through going on that inner journey, you know, and, and dealing with the underlying causes. And he guided me to do that. And it changed everything for me. You know, I stopped focusing on the symptom of food and weight and started dealing with the underlying causes. And, you know, I've been in a thin body ever since a healthy, thin body ever since. So I'm so grateful for that. And as I said, that, you know, what I did to heal became my method for helping others heal heal. And I, I've been doing this work for, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say for how long, because it's like my whole adult life and I'm in my fifties now. So, um, so basically it's been a, um, it's been a journey, but it's been an amazing journey of helping others heal. And for the last five years, I've done this online through zoom and through, um, you know, coaching calls in groups and one-on-one um, you know, I walk people through my whole step-by-step system and I take the guesswork out of it. Um, and it works for people and it's just, it's a blessing to me. And I love what I do and, and I'm super grateful and gratified that other people get benefit from it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm, I know that was like cliff notes, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Super short <laughs> version of this huge journey. Um, totally. I'm curious, like, as you, as you look back through that, and I know you've probably told that story many, many times, was there something that was there a point that was really pivotal for you um something that really just accelerated your your progress in healing or was it just consistent regular steps forward
0: well it was really it was definitely you know my healing journey was grounded in self-care so i learned mm-hmm. self-care habits that made all the difference. And I teach that to my clients as well. You know, overeaters, in my experience, are overdoers. And mm. we tend to, you know, overdo really to compensate for some kind of inner lack. Um, lower self-esteem perhaps, or an emptiness, you know, and so we sort of look for accolades and add a, add a girls, add a boys, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that drives a lot, lot of our doing, but our overdoing drives our eating because it means we don't take time for ourselves. It means we don't, you know, slow down long enough to learn about ourselves and get to know ourselves and what drives us, motivates us, you know, and, and, and when we're overdoing, we don't have time for our journey either, you know? And so all that leads to just stuffing ourselves with food. And so that's why the whole diet track is so, you know, inane in a way, because it, it doesn't even touch all the real reasons why we overeat. And and that's why people are on that same merry-go-round that I was on, you know, is there, they just, you know, keep hitting the symptom, but the symptom isn't dealing with the real problem. And therefore people are going back to their old ways.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Um, And we, we talked about emotional eating a little bit. We touched on that. What in your opinion is the difference between emotional eating and like food addiction? How yeah. does someone know which like where they're at between those two?
0: Yeah, you know, and I use those words somewhat interchangeably because I was a food addict, but I don't think all food addicts um, I mean, I don't think all emotional eaters are necessarily food addicts. And I don't okay. and I but I do think all food addicts are emotional eaters. So okay. And what I mean by that is, it's really a spectrum. And so, to me, it's an emotional eating spectrum. And where you are in the spectrum determines whether you actually hit the mark of being a food addict, because food addiction is on the high end of the spectrum. So, okay. you know, my experiences were all like we all have like hardwiring to emotionally eat. I mean, if you think of a mother bre- breastfeeding her child, it's an emotional experience, it's a comforting experience, a bonding experience. So, there's nothing wrong with getting some emotional hit from your food or feeling comforted by certain foods, Um, but where you get into the danger zone, the higher end of that spectrum, is when you lose control, like you you t- like frequently don't have control and you have consequences starting to mount, hmm. you know? So overeating on ice cream here and there, you know, not a big deal, you know, gaining five pounds when you go on a cruise and then you take it off when you come back because you kind of, you know, straighten up and fly right. That's somebody has a lot of control and very few consequences, but where I lived in the, was in the higher end of that spectrum. So I would frequently, once I start to eat, go down this wrap, this very dark rabbit hole of binge eating, you know, and promising I was going to stop and doing it again and, and being obsessed with my binge foods and when I was going to get to eat my chocolate, my favorite chocolate or ice cream or whatever, and, and wanting to be left alone so I could eat in front of the TV and kind of zone out. So, so that was kind of very (laughs) antisocial behavior around food and a lot of negative self-talk, like you're such a loser. You did it again. What's wrong with you? Like, why can't you be normal? You know, all that really negative self, you know, talk and chatter. And, and then the consequences, I mean, there are so many consequences to this condition, not just, you know, pre-diabetes or diabetes, heart disease, um, you know, autoimmune issues, um, joint pain. I mean, the longer you go as an emotional eater, the more problems you have. And especially if you're yo-yo or like I was, I mean, it's really unhealthy for the body and your skin starts to sag and, and you feel very low self-esteem. Like, you're just never going to get it right. Uh, just depression, anxiety runs pretty high for people who have this pattern and they're on the higher end of the spectrum. It's a real roller coaster ride. It's like you, you your whole life is determined by how well you ate that day. Mm. You know, it's like your whole mood um, is affected by whether you're eating right or not. I mean, it can get really dark. So these are, these are things that kind of um, inform somebody's path when they're on the higher end of that spectrum. And I do have a quiz on my website um, that people can take. It's a free quiz and and it'll tell them where they are on that spectrum based on their answers to the questions.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. And we'll link for sure in the show notes to that. Um, Emotional hunger versus physical hunger. I know that's something that, that you love to explain the difference there. How, how do you tell, like, how, how do I, I mean, the I want food both ways. So, how does someone start to become aware of the difference there in in terms of what they're experiencing?
0: Yeah, it can seem really similar. You know, I'm amazed for myself. I've been on this path for 30 years and I'm amazed at how uh, I can get tricked sometimes into thinking I'm really hungry. You know, and I'll say to myself, Oh, I'm so hungry. I'll have a hunger pang and I'll say, I'm so hungry. But then I'll stop. (laughs) I'll be like, really, are you really, you know, and that's an important thing to do is kind of put a pause between the hunger, the feeling of hunger Mm -hmm. and going to the refrigerator, you know, and if you are on a regular schedule of eating, I call it three meal magic for three meals with nothing in between, you know, which is what I recommend to people, even if, and if you want to intermittent fast, put 12 to 13 hours between your dinner and your breakfast, but still have three meals so that you're on a regular schedule so that, you know, if 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm trying to convince myself, I'm starving. I I know I'm not because I had a good, healthy breakfast, you know, whereas if my eating is erratic or I'm doing a lot of fasting, you know, it could be physical and and it or it might be emotional, but you don't really know because Mm. you're kind of all over the place. So that's the regularity of the three meals is super, uh, super self-caring. You know, it's like your body knows it's going to get fed and it doesn't go into a panic. So you don't end up overeating, you know, when you get to your next meal. Um, but it also helps me know and be able to reason my, with myself when I'm trying to convince myself I'm actually hungry when I'm not. I'm like, no, you know, you ate two and a half hours ago, you can probably make it to lunch, you know? And yeah. so then it it begs the question, what is going on? What's really going on? And that's such an important question to ask. Like, let's look. And I, and I recommend something called the PEP test. And PEP is an acronym. And I love to share this because I think yeah. it's a good place for people to start. Um, because a lot of people are like, You know that girl's crazy. I just like food. You know (laughs) what's this emotional eating thing? But you can't unhear this information. So that's why I'm glad we're having the conversation. (laughs) So the pep test is a way to start making the connection between your emotions and your eating. And the first P in pep stands for painkiller. Food is an amazing painkiller. It dulls the edges of life, okay? It just does, you know, and especially the carby, sugary foods, you know, the yummy foods, the high, high, highly fattening foods that Mm -hmm. end up, you know, making us gain weight, the snacky foods. Um, But when we eat that stuff, it sort of softens the edges of life and it kills pain. And, there, you know, life is not comfortable oftentimes. We have emotional pain, but when we're used to snacking, used to eating around the clock, we're not even aware of it. It still could be driving our eating, but we might not be in touch. So Mm. ask yourself, is there something that's uncomfortable for me? It may not be painful per se, but, you know, there's a lot of situations, a job that doesn't fit you, a marriage that's not working, you know, a kid that's dysregulated, a parent that's sick. So, so there's lots of things that make us feel emotional pain, and we automatically impulsively eat to kill that pain. And it works, you know, it works temporarily, right? Mm-hmm. Always comes back. Yeah. Um, the E in PEP stands for escape, you know, and when we're super responsible and we're going about our business, you know, we just want to check out sometimes, especially when life is hard, you know, and especially if we have, you know, most leaders tend to be a little on the fearful side, anxious side. So we have anxiety and fear and our heads are kind of awfulizing about the worst case scenarios. You know, we just want to check out from that. We want to like a break from our minds. And so it's, you know, I used to get my ice cream and my chips and sit in front of the TV and it's like, boom, you're in a whole faraway place. And so that's another reason and, and motivation for eating. And the last is a little less known or understood, and that's punishment. So the last hmm. P in PEP stands for punishment, which seems counterintuitive, because we use food as a reward, but it's not a reward if you binge and feel sick and stuffed and mad at yourself. Right. And then the next day you're bloated and you don't want to have your video on, on zoom because you've got, you know, the bloat face, you know? So what's that about? In my experiences, overeaters are also overfeelers, and Mm -hmm. we feel guilty about everything. And so we use food subconsciously to beat ourselves up. You know, we're really hard on ourselves and, you know, there are times when people will be like, I'm just going to eat and I'm just going to add insult to injury. And you just sort of dog yourself with food. And I mean, that's, that happens, you know? So the PEP is painkiller, escape and punishment. So somebody who isn't sure if they're emotionally or physically hungry can ask like, what's really going on? Like, and start just doing that little digging, that little bit of digging into what might be making me feel hungry on an emotional level. And that's a really important conversation to have. We have to get more connected with our emotions, you know, in relation to food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, so as you're wrapping that piece up, I was curious, once there's that awareness of maybe what else there is, what, what comes after that? Like, what, what's the next step for me? Um, once I've slowed down, I did the pep, the pep test and I'm like, Oh, maybe it's this thing.
0: Yeah. I, 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 well, first of all, get away from the kitchen, (laughs) leave the kitchen, (laughs) walk away. Um, you know, leave the house, go for a walk, um, get some fresh air, sort of get a change of your state, um, and, and kind of reevaluate. And, and, you know, I like to pray when I walk. So prayer helps me. Um, but there's writing, you know, kind of expressive writing about what's really going on. You know, that, that problem at work, that boss, you can't stand, like write it out, like write it out, get those feelings out. That's going to be an amazing help. Um, Pick up the phone, talk to a girlfriend, you know, talk it out. Um, There's other healthier things we can do, but if we stuff it, it doesn't go anywhere, that pain, you know, that guilt, that, that, that fear that just gets buried. So it doesn't get dealt with, it just gets stifled, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's inside of us doing its work, you know, which we don't want, it's not healthy to have those toxic emotions buried. Um, But you know, there's healthier ways to just get it out. And we have to, and emotional eaters, you know, we're not used to doing that, we're used to just kind of muddling through having a smile on our face, acting like everything's fine, deal with it, you know, so like, like process it, um, get it out of you. Um, it's so much healthier and it'll make your whole life better. You know, your whole life's going to be better when you have a healthier relationship with your emotions instead of just burying them with food.
1: Yeah. I like, I like the practicality of those, you know, those steps and how easy they all sound. I kind of expected you're, I'll oh, get a therapist or something, but like, just do something right now yeah. that is going to create a, a bit of a shift in the direction that you really want to go. I, yeah. I
0: it. And we can't be dependent on going somewhere, you know, um, to get help. It's really yeah. like, these are tools we can use. They're right at our fingertips. They don't cost anything, you know, but they do require, that we stop and pay attention to ourselves. And Mm -hmm. that is something, you know, self-denial is a big problem for emotional eaters. Like we just sort of snuff out our existence and our, you know, our relevance, our, our, you know, the, the fact that we matter, we kind of snuff it out with food and we do it in other ways as well. We don't use our voices as emotional eaters. We tend to eat our words. So we don't say how we really feel is a problem. Mm -hmm. And this is what I teach my clients is how to communicate in a healthy way. You know, people don't need more nutritional information. Like we're all pretty clear that salads are better than pizza, you know, if you want to be healthy, (laughs) you know, so, so we have to dig in and get some new information. And that is, you know, what's really going on and having that, um, you know, having that deeper conversation with ourselves, getting to know ourselves, you know, on an emotional level, it's so healthy. It'll, it'll help, you know, if you start speaking up for yourself, you know, if you start expressing your feelings, you know, talking to your spouse about what's going on for you, what's not. Not working what is working oh my yeah. god like it's a game changer for relationships so it's on us the onus is on us the tools are at our, our fingertips we have to start saying okay you know i i deserve to take this time for self-care for meditation prayer spiritual readings you know i deserve to take that time I have to take that time. If you expect to not overeat, you're going to have to make changes. Like if nothing changes, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So we have to, you know, especially, and this is one of the reasons why diets don't work too, is be, diets don't give us tools for living, right. you know, and all it does is take away our favorite foods. And so we're sitting there. Sure. You feel good at first when you die, you're like, I'm losing weight. I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, looking good, feeling good. And then after a couple of weeks, you're like, oh, this is really hard. Like I can't, okay. How long is this going to last? Right. And it gets hard because you don't like you took away your number one coping tool. Yeah. Right. And so what's if you have nothing to replace it with, you're going to go back to your food. So you have to develop these new habits in order to cope with life. Food was my main coping tool, you know, and it works temporarily. But then, of course, it fails and it backfires. Mm -hmm. But we we can't just lose weight in a vacuum. We have to have new ways of coping with the stressors of life, which are going to keep coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What, what would you recommend as far as the best first step for someone to begin as the, you know, as they're listening, I can imagine someone will be like, oh man, this is, this is me. She's talking to me. What, what's the best first step for them?
0: Yeah. um, A few things. First of all, I would say, Take a look at your calendar like slow down <laughs> like slow down find carve out some time in the morning to have some quiet time you know start with that Um, certainly I'm here for people. Um, I, you know, people can go to my website, order my book, um, which is on Amazon. It's called heal your hunger, seven simple steps and emotional eating. Now that's really informative because it'll give you a whole different tack. It's not about dieting. It's not about, I don't, I'm not a nutritionist. I don't give that information. I'm really about dealing with the underlying causes. So that'll kind of take somebody, begin somebody on that journey. I also have a podcast, um, the heal your hunger show. But, you know, I I, I would just say and remind people that you don't have to do it alone and it's really hard to do it alone. So all my, my programs are in groups because there's so much healing benefit to realizing you're not the only one who has this problem. And sharing with others heals us like the healing Mm. of the heart. It's not food we're hungry for. Let's be clear. You know, we're just not like, yeah, we have normal hunger, but beyond that, it's a deeper hunger that we have to fill. I
1: love it. That's I, I love that phrase. It's not food we're hungry for. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Trisha Nelson. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure.
1: All right. How did you do? How did you do with that PEP test, the PEP, to identify if there's some work for you to do around emotional eating? If you did find out that there's some work to do, did you catch the step that Trisha recommends that you take? Make some time for yourself. Make some time to reflect on that, to think about it, to to sift through it and create a plan. A couple big quotes that I will savor from this interview. And you're probably gonna see them on Instagram at some point. Trisha said, it's not food we're hungry for. It's so important to acknowledge that and to do some work around, well, what is the thing that I am hungry for? What's the hole that needs to be filled And how can I address that need without turning to food as a way to deal with it? This whole process is about getting better at understanding yourself, learning about yourself, learning about your emotions. Stop and listen. Stop and pay attention to the self-talk around food. I absolutely love this interview. I'm sure that you did too. If you want to follow Trisha's work, you can do so at healyourhunger.com. I'll also link to a quiz where you can get a personalized score that Trisha put together there on her website. So you know what action steps you can take to heal your hunger. I absolutely love being here with you this week. Hey, I want to tell you about something cool that I am working on for next week's episode, which is episode number 52. I can't even believe that it has been a full year of the Begin Within podcast week after week. And I want to thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your screenshots of the episodes you're listening to and the posts that you put on Instagram and tag me in. I love it. And I'm so determined to keep on producing episodes that benefit you. But what I'm going to do next week in our episode is talk about some of the big lessons that I have learned from hosting this podcast, from the experts that I have met with. Not just those that are helping other people to navigate through the journey toward healthier, those experts, but also the experts who have done it themselves. And of course, as you've listened, you know that some of those individuals are both. People like Trisha who have gone through the journey themselves and are now helping others and the lessons they've learned along the way. So I'm going to encapsulate five, five big things that I am taking away from this last year of hosting the podcast. And I'm going to share those things with you next week here on the Begin Within podcast.